Hello, friends. Welcome back to the DDP for the 12th day of December. It's the actual 12th day of December. <laughs> Listen back after we were done and had it uploaded to yesterday's podcast where I told you it was the 12th when it was actually the 11th. Um, I don't think a lot of people really pay too close attention to that. You're letting them run usually on your podcast, but I messed the date up and oh well. Apologies if it threw you off and you looked at it and thought, wait a minute, something's not right. This is the 12th. Okay. And we're in Luke chapter 5 verse 18 where it says, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. This is a story, again, we heard In Mark chapter 2, these are the friends of the paralytic man. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And these are those flat roof homes in the Mediterranean. They tear a piece of the roof off, lower the man down in front of Jesus. And verse 20 has a a, a power-packed verse. There's at least two big, big things happening here. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. uh, There's probably more than two, but I see two big explosive things happening. Number one, when he saw their faith, and I know we dealt with this in Mark, but that was a long time ago. So let me say it again. Jesus doesn't wait for the paralytic man to have faith. He's responding to the active faith of the four men. Faith so active that it would tear the roof off to lower their friend in front of Jesus. These are men who believe in the Jesus they pursue. And he looks at their faith and then forgives their friend of his sins. I'm not even sure the total implications of this, but it seems to me that your faith can be so powerful in what you believe for that it benefits someone else who may not even have that kind of faith. I personally think this happens a lot in communion. When you don't, you may bring doubt to the Lord's table, but the community brings faith. That's okay. Bring your doubt. The community has brought faith and the body and the blood work in spite of ourselves. And so this man receives the full goodness of God based on the faith of his friends. That's part one of the bomb that gets dropped in verse 20. The other part is, man, your sins are forgiven you. And I want you to notice that no one in the room, first of all, no one asks for forgiveness. They don't come through the roof and say, please forgive this man of his sins. They're not there for forgiveness. They're there for healing. Number two, no one has offered up a lamb and shed its blood or went to temple or shown themselves to a priest. And these are all part of, they're not, it's not only entirely this, but these are all part of the redemptive processes of Judaism, Temple Judaism. Temple's still standing in Jerusalem. Now we according to Mark, we're in Capernaum here. Luke doesn't tell exactly where we are, but Mark gives us indication. Capernaum has a synagogue, but it doesn't have a temple. So something so egregious that you would need to go for forgiveness of sins would be would require a sin offering. No lambs, no priests, no blood. No request. No confession. This man hasn't said, I confess that I did this and then seeks forgiveness. So this part of the big bomb of verse 20 
tells me that Jesus had the power to forgive sins prior to going to the cross. I used to say, I was telling my wife this the other day, we were, I was kind of looking back on embarrassing things I'd preached. And I'm stricken by this embarrassing thing I used to preach to say, well, you don't see Jesus leading people in the sinner's prayer because he hadn't died on the cross yet. and He hadn't resurrected from the dead. And so he can't lead them into personal salvation the way he can you. And so Jesus would lead them to follow him, like physically follow him. And that was part of that was my immaturity and not understanding what discipleship actually is. All of our salvations, by the way, are invitations to follow him. We're the ones who made it this personal, private prayer in which we've invited Jesus into our heart. Nobody knows that our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, our hands are up. Nobody knows I got saved. I'll get baptized someday and let everybody know. But in the meantime, it's just Jesus, me and Jesus, got our own thing going. No, Jesus doesn't lead people in sinners' prayers while he's walking the earth. And it's not because he hasn't died on the cross yet. It's because Jesus invites them to do what he invites us to do. Come follow me. Come live the Father's life. Live the kingdom in reality. This is why I've been saying for years, and I still stand firm on this, the blood that is shed at the cross has a lot of applications. And according to Jesus, it's also the blood of a new covenant because he said in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, as often as you drink this, drink it, it's the blood of a new covenant. So the blood was for a new covenant. But the blood is not to appease a bloodthirsty God. The blood is to appease a guilt conscience man. All of our guilt consciousnesses are informed by our addiction to Abel's blood. The blood of Jesus Christ better things than that of Abel. What's that scripture mean? Our version of Abel's blood is vengeance. Avenge me. Get people back. Somebody needs to die. So Jesus steps into death and bleeds so that we will see that a man has died. Not because God's bloodthirsty, but because we are. He didn't need the blood to forgive. He forgives this man without blood. He just says, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, their anger is that Jesus says you can be forgiven, and they don't think anyone has the right to say that, only God. Jesus, of course, is one with his father. But I think their anger is also in that this man hasn't done any of the religious performances for forgiveness. Our anger would probably be very similar. Now, we're going to get into Jesus' response. It's amazing. We'll start that tomorrow. God bless.